Welcome to Cryptonomics. Welcome to Cryptonomics. My name's Kurt Robinson. I'll be your gracious host. I want to tell you about principles of cryptocurrency and investing. Let's talk about how gambling is similar to investing or speculating in digital assets when it comes to bankroll management, asset allocation, information asymmetry, and planning ahead to get ahead. Smash that like button, press subscribe, tenderly caress any thumbs up button that you see on your screen at this moment. Let's get into it. Just in the park in the middle of Saigon, right near the replica of the Cathedral of Notre Dame. Okay, you can't see it in the shot, but it's right there behind me. <laughs> Just have to take my word for it. Some people believe that investing or playing the stock market is nothing more than gambling, and other people think that it's somehow a lot different to gambling and somehow more respectable. Anytime you're playing with money and talking about levels of risk, it is kind of gambling. I want to tell you some principles of playing poker which also apply to speculating or investing in crypto assets. Let's talk about it. One way in which playing a game of poker is similar to investing or speculating on crypto assets is bankroll management. Not a lot of card players get good at bankroll management because at least on the surface it seems like it's not really part of the game. Simple rule is when your bankroll is small you have a higher tolerance to risk. When your bankroll is large you want to make defensive moves. You want to take a risk averse stance try to protect your capital. Let me give you an example. Let's say you play cards at your local card room and you're playing this game where you buy in for $50. Now you really want to take a shot at the $200 game or the $500 game but your bankroll is maybe only $1,000. In the meantime you're still earning about $500 a week from your day job. In this case you'd actually be putting 50% of your bankroll on the table if you stepped up to that higher level. On the surface, that seems like it's imprudent because you're putting half your net worth on the table. Really, it's not a bad idea. The reason is, when your bankroll is small, it's easier to replenish. So all you need to do is go to your nine to five for a few weeks and you can get that money back. So, it makes sense to be risky. However, when you have a larger bankroll, so say your net worth is actually tied up in your house, it doesn't make sense to go risking 50% of your net worth on a speculative asset. If you've saved up for years to buy your house, then it's going to be much more difficult to replace compared to some kid who only has $1,000 to his name. Now the errors that I see people make sometimes in poker you have these guys who will be like these low-level grinders 
and they'll play these ridiculously low stakes games, like $2 games, and they'll have a bankroll of a few hundred dollars, but they'll say, oh, I never want to put more than 1% of my bankroll on the table at a time. By doing that, they're putting a cap on the skill level, and they're also putting the cap on their earnings. By playing these micro stakes games, it's going to be a lot difficult for them to start to move up and actually become a professional. Of course, even if you get a big win, like a five buy-in win, and a $2 game, that's only $10. Wow, you know, but if you're playing a $100 game, that's $500, it starts to look pretty good. It starts to look like you can quit your day job. And these micro stakes players say things like, oh, I don't want to put more than 1% of my bankroll on the table, or more than 5%. But they're not considering how much that money is actually worth to them and how easily it could quickly be replaced. You see this analog when it comes to personal finance. There are these people who will put the money in the bank, put their savings away, and you'll suggest, well, hey, why don't you invest in something? Why don't you take a punt, put it on the stock market, put it in crypto, whatever? And they'll say, oh, gee, I really, I just don't want to lose money. I don't think I could take it if I did. And when that happens, they're virtually guaranteeing that they're going to lose their money because over time, the inflation is just going to eat away at it. On the other side, we have these crazy wild gamblers. Some might call them degenerates or sick boxes. And they roll up and they've got nothing but their rent money, $1,000, and they put it on the table and they risk it all. And who knows if they're paying rent that month or if they're getting kicked out on the street. And there are these stories in crypto as well. There's probably a lot of cases where people have bet their rent money, but of course the real sensational stories are the ones where people take out an extra mortgage and then it goes down 20% and they have no idea what they're gonna do. They've overestimated their capacity for risk and they've probably underestimated the risks as well. So we need to learn lessons from both of these people. The thing is, when you're talking about money, you can't avoid risk. So we need to know that. We need to learn that lesson from the degenerate gambler. The lesson we learn from the risk averse person is that we do need to look at the risks. Not solely at the risks, but we do need to look at the risks. When people are risk averse, you normally find that they're being controlled by fear. They have this scarcity mindset and they're quite afraid of losing what they have. Robert Kiyosaki likes to flip this on its head and says, if you experience fear, what you need to do is fail early and responsibly. And my rich dad also said, failure is part of success. People who evade, avoid failure also avoid success. Your biggest expense is not what you spend, your biggest expense is the money you're not making because you're afraid. So the thing that my rich dad taught me very early on called fear. Fail early and fail responsibly. Look, if you know you're going to fail, do it now. Don't wait. Because each time you make a mistake, you get smarter if you do it responsibly. The first deal my wife and I did when we got back into real estate was a $45,000 deal, $6,000 down. If we failed, we would have got smarter than somebody who didn't fail at all. But we didn't, so we pushed the boundary, going bigger and bigger, hoping to fail. 
While everybody's avoiding failure, I'm hoping to fail because I'm going to get smarter. By putting small amounts of money on the table into investments, we can start to develop our threshold for risk. And that's very important if you want to be an investor or an entrepreneur. The great thing about crypto assets is, as opposed to, say, stocks, when, when you buy stocks, a lot of the time they'll charge you a trading fee and it'll be like $5 or $20. With crypto, it's based as a percentage, so you might pay 1% or less than half a percent as a trading fee. And that means you can start very small. You can even start with as low as $5 or $20. If you have a low threshold for risk, you can build it up very slowly, starting at a level you're comfortable with. You probably heard people say, don't gamble more than you can afford to lose or don't invest more than you can afford to lose. And that's a very good rule of thumb. The other side of it is you have to be able to assess what you really can afford to lose. So the risk averse person might have thousands of dollars saved in the bank and is being all stingy tying up his pants with a drawstring <laughs> and he thinks he can't afford to lose that money. The reality is he can on the other side, you have this risk-inclined gambler or investor and who wants to put the rent money in. So you need to be careful, make a budget if necessary, and find out how much money you really need to survive. Because the excess money you have, if you want to become wealthy, should be put into something that's going to grow it. Rich people don't work for money money works for rich people. My final note on that point is that some crypto speculators like to say play with house money or professional gamblers like to say play with your winnings. So when you do make some gains at the casino or in the market you can take out the money that you've initially invested. That way all that you're playing with is profit and you can take that initial money that you've taken out and put it into another project. Let's talk about Sixth Street. This is a concept from Poker Rider and Limit Hold'em player Tommy Angelo. If you play Hold'em you know the last card that's dealt is called Fifth Street or it's commonly called the river. Sixth Street is Angelo's cute term for what happens after that. So after the hand, there's a lot of stuff that still goes on, which is still part of the game. There's a lot of posturing, BS, intimidation, deception. So Angelo likes to say, Sixth Street is never over. That is, the psychological game, the game outside the cards and the action, still goes on. It doesn't matter if it's 10 years after the fact that someone asks you about a hand, the game is still going on and there's still going to be effects of that if you ever get into hand with that person again. Key point, poker is a game of deception. If you didn't know, markets are also a game of deception. So here are some key examples. You have Jamie Dimon. I could care less what Bitcoin trades for, how it trades, why it trades, who trades it. If you're stupid enough to buy it, you'll pay the price for it one day. He comes out, goes to the media, and he says, Bitcoin is trash. I would fire any of my employees if they were speculating on crypto, on Bitcoin, because it's just 
garbage, and those people must be idiots. It's just not a real thing, and eventually it'll be, it'll be the emperor without clothes. The markets predictably go down because Diamond has a lot of media attention on him, and people sell based on his word. People are very good at manipulating the press these days. In secret, JP Morgan is actually buying up Bitcoin. A few months later, Diamond comes out and says, actually, you know, I think there is something to this Bitcoin. What a surprise! <laughs> what a surprise that Diamond was talking out of his little butthole. <laughs> People are very good at manipulating the press these days. What a surprise. Well, it's a surprise to some, but not to the wise. A few months ago, close to the peak of the bubble around the end of 2017, Charlie Lee, founder of Litecoin, came out and said, we should expect the bear market. We should expect that Litecoin is gonna go back down to around $30 and it's gonna stay there, maybe even for two years. And people said, okay. Two weeks later, Lee announced that he had sold all of his Litecoin. His stated reason was that he didn't wanna have any conflicts of interest because people are always accusing him of that accusing him of manipulating the price of Litecoin or other assets because he has such a large media reach. Now, people repeat this to me as if that was his real reason. And I just think, my gosh, you innocent child, uh, you naive man, how could you believe just a couple of weeks after saying that he expected a bear market, he sold and he gives another reason, and you believe that reason. Don't be a sucker. Don't believe what people say on 6th Street. Likewise, if you're in a game of poker and somebody asks you, or you ask somebody, <laughs> what they had during that hand, treat that as null information. Treat whatever they say as meaningless. Talk is cheap. Words are meaningless. Look at people's actions. Another point, poker is a game of incomplete information. And that's how we get information asymmetry. So somebody in the game is gonna have more information than others. So in a poker game, it kind of works like this. You have a basic poker player and he knows what the cards on the table are. He knows the cards in his hand. He knows what the current betting action is and he knows whether he likes his hand or not. What's going on in the mind of a solid card player? He has an estimate of the stacks of every player at the table. He knows the action which has happened this hand. He knows the action that happened last hand. He knows his history with this opponent. He can see the body language. He's aware of betting tells that he's picked up in previous hands. He's also aware of the personality profile of this player. So you can get information about a player before they even sit down at the table. And that's the level that a solid player is thinking on. They're aware of their own emotional state. They know the body language of their opponent. They know the likely range of their opponent. And they know their odds to improve. So they have a whole lot of information compared to the basic player. And this is one of the fundamental reasons why 
a solid player will beat an average player over time because they have access to a larger amount of information and they know how to prioritize it. Now, the bad news is when you're at a card table, you have at most a few minutes to act and come up with a decision. The good thing is when you're talking about markets, stock markets or crypto asset markets, you can actually take as much time as you like. You can take hundreds of hours of reading and watching YouTube videos, discovering the principles, learning about a project, analyzing its flaws and discovering its potential for mass adoption. You can do all of that and then you can make a decision. And you know what? It's not like in poker where once you fold, the hand is over. You can actually change your decision. So this is what makes markets a superior form of gambling because of that information asymmetry. If you study, if you observe, watch what's going on, keep reading, learn new techniques, and learn new ways to analyze projects, you are going to be so far ahead of the average investor or speculator, it's going to mean that you're much, much more likely to make money over time. Here's a little rule of thumb that I like to follow when it comes to gambling or when it comes to investing. Let your stake match your knowledge. So if you've only read one poker book or maybe you've only just read the rules and the hand rankings, you probably don't want to invest or put down more than $10 or $20 onto a card table. Likewise with crypto assets. If you've read for a couple of hours, you understand the basics. Maybe you put a little bit of money in. Now there is a problem with this rule because when your investment really blasts off, like if it goes 10x or 30x, suddenly you have a lot more money on the table than you anticipated. And suddenly your knowledge doesn't match your stake. Now that's a high quality problem. And I hope that it's one that you get to deal with. But that leads me into my next point. Plan your hand. In Professional No Limit Hold'em Volume 1, the introduction says, the thesis of this book can be summed up in three words, plan your hand. Sun Tzu said, defeated warriors enter battle and then attempt to win. Victorious warriors win first and then enter the arena. When you're at a card table for a couple of hours, you'll notice that bad players get themselves into spots. And they're fumbling, they're confused, they have to go into the think tank to try to figure out how to get themselves out of this awkward position. When it comes to good players, they'll rarely get into those type of spots because they know what they're gonna do ahead of time. They know which players at the table are the suckers and they know whether they're gonna stack off or get them all in and how they're gonna get them all in. So it's much easier for them to play the game because they've thought about it ahead of time. They know the potential scenarios. You probably heard that a lot of people who win the lottery end up squandering their money. So for a lot of people, winning the lottery is actually their retirement plan. 
That's how they expect to get out of the daily grind and spend the rest of their days sipping piñas coladas on the beach in Honolulu. But when it happens, they're not ready for it. They don't know what to do with money. They didn't plan to win. If you're speculating in crypto assets today, it's a very real possibility that in the next couple of months, your stake is gonna go up 30 times or 50 times, even 100 times, that's possible. Are you, a, are you prepared for that type of situation? Have you thought about the tax consequences, how you're gonna minimize the tax department's threats against you, what you're gonna do with the money, how you're going to protect it, act defensively, put it in other investments like stocks and bonds so you can lock it up and keep it growing for your retirement? Have you thought about that? It takes a certain set of skills to get rich, but it takes another set of skills to stay rich. So, if you wanna get rich and you wanna stay rich, start preparing now. Put yourself in a position to win. Don't be like one of those lottery winners who blows all his money on cocaine, Coca-Cola, I mean. Start learning those skills today. Have a look at books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Unshakable by Tony Robbins, Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins. These books are going to get you ahead of the game and they're going to set you up so you can live a life of prosperity, maybe even retire very early. That would be nice, wouldn't it? That's it for me, I'm signing off here from Ho Chi Minh City. I hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to Cryptonomics. Press like, press subscribe, leave a comment telling me what you found most interesting about this episode. And I hope to see you again. Take care and stay grateful.